RFN Nashville. Can you hear me? There it is. Welcome to Ghost Town. The name's Creepy Steve. Pleasure to meet you. Sorta. We'll see how it goes. We'll see if you can hang. I got a pretty uh, singular kind of show today. I'm featuring a very special band. I'm featuring them for a good while. It might go into the two hours, the full two hours. If you're lucky, let's go ahead and get this cranking. All right, that's your first clue. This is an American band. How about that? I've been playing a lot of British stuff on my show the last few weeks, except for last week. Gone to some American stuff as well. All right. These guys formed in New York City in 1975, though they met in art school in Rhode Island. Comprised of David Byrne, Chris France, Tina Weymouth, and Jerry Harrison. The trio, uh, David Byrne, Chris France, and Tina Weymouth, were the original members. They picked up Jerry Harrison uh, as he was wrapping up his work with the Modern Lovers. That's Jonathan Richmond, if you're familiar. You know what? I'll get into those guys. I'll get into those guys here in the near future. It's worth it. This band, though, they carried. Uh, they were right in the middle of the punk scene in New York City. CBGB's, The Mud Club, Max's, Kansas City, all three of those uh, venues frequented by this band. Uh, they uh, got their first overseas exposure when they opened for the Ramones in the UK. Should I tell you who it is? All right, it's Talking Heads. You're listening to Ghost Town, WRFN Nashville. That's LP. Stay tuned. Oh, 
Should I have said it? Weymouth. Weymouth. If I'd left it alone the first time, I would have been all right, Tina. Thank you very much. It must be three or four years since Richard began to tell me about this, the music that you people were making. You, you don't like to give it a name, David. No, not really. It's taken you all over the world. Somebody over there said, if I had my chance, I'd, I'd record in England. Another lady said France. Have you been to those two countries? Yeah, we've been to both of those. Were you well received? I thought so. <laughs> Is he always this enthusiastic, Tina? Does he bubble over like this I and mean, then just set the world on fire? I guess he's organically shy. <laughs> <laughs> I gotta write that. Are you a shy person? I'd say so. How do you... How on earth, then, do you get up in front of people and do this? I mean, do you flog yourself into it? Are you not an extrovert? No. I always figure I don't know the people. I get really nervous if there's friends out there. Yeah, I don't like to work in front of anybody I ever know. Has this been going on a long time? Have you been people, have people been making your music together? Were you from the same neighborhood or something like that? Well, we, uh, we're not from the same neighborhood originally, but we live in the same neighborhood now. Where, where'd you come from? We live in, well, we, we came from uh, all over the United States, Ca California, Southern California, uh, Milwaukee, Wisconsin, Baltimore, and Lexington, Kentucky. That's a weird conglomeration of, of different things. I asked a question earlier, you weren't there, and I think Tina, she gave me an answer. I'll go back and check with her. If you were to have your professional dreams come true, what would it be? What would you want to accomplish? It's a tough, heavy, heavy question. No, what, what's, uh, would it be a place to play, a goal to reach? I just think you'd want to feel that you'd affected people. Affected people. Give me that answer you gave me. That was pretty interesting. You remember what it was? Well, it was pretty highfalutin, I guess. Give me the highfalutin answer. Well, we want to make our mark in music history.
Well, that was No Compassion, Talking Heads. Before that, you heard New Feeling, one of my favorite singles. These are all off of their debut, Talking Heads 77, which was released that year and received considerable acclaim. Also spawned what became the group's first charted single, Psycho Killer. And this song was released to the radio just months after the serial killer known as The Son of Sam had been terrorizing New York City. This prompted many to assume some eerie connection, though it was later revealed that Byrne had written the song nearly four years earlier.
Okay, um, David, uh, how do you feel about being called a, a new wave or a punk rock band? I think it's, um, I imagine a lot of groups feel that they don't like to be categorized as as, as being um, just part of a, a genre. That I think all, all groups like to feel like they have something special to offer that makes them slightly different from other groups. And although they might, um, for convenience, be closer to a certain number of other groups than to a whole lot of others, uh, it, uh, they like to maintain their individuality. And so it's, it's annoying in some respects to be generalized, but in, in, in other ways, uh, you know, I'd feel people were more off the mark if they said we were country rock or something. Yeah. yeah. What, is, uh, what is your own personal response uh, on behalf of the Talking Heads uh, to New Wave and punk rock music? I, I think there's a few areas in music where things are happening now where anything can happen and that's one that's one of the areas
Warning sign, talking heads, you're listening to Ghost Town. I'm Creepy Steve. Hello. That was uh, off their second album, More Songs About building and Buildings and Food, released in July of 1978. Uh, this blended the band's interests of funk, bubblegum, country, reggae, and punk. And with David Byrne's voice, it established the group as a critical success, reaching number 29 in the U.S. Billboard Pop Albums chart and 21 in the UK Albums Chart. In 2003, this album was ranked number 382 on Rolling Stone's magazine list of 500 greatest albums of all time, keeping on point with the second album. However, this is a live version, so it's not actually the album version, but found a job. This is on more songs about buildings and food. I just thought this uh, live version was a little bit better. This is off Stop Making Sense. Talking Heads, you're listening to Ghost Town. Fighting over 
playing at CBGB's and um, I think uh, a lot of the other musicians felt like they didn't really get it what, what, where we were coming from and our sound was not it wasn't really based on the Rolling Stones or um, or, Muddy or the New York Dolls you know oh, it was, yeah. Yeah. Uh, uh, even though we loved that stuff later on we started doing some uh, you know R&B stuff like Take Me to the River and that was what that was the first thing that really got played on the radio that we did, probably because it had already been a hit by Al Green. No, it hadn't been a hit, had it? But it was written by it was big, Al Green. It was a big number in his live shows. Yeah, yeah.
You're right in the middle of Ghost Town listening to Talking Heads. Fear of Music. The band's third studio album was released in August of 1979 on Sire Records. And uh, happy with their dabblings with Brian Eno producing some of the tracks on the previous record, more songs about buildings and food. They decided to go the full distance with them on Fear of Music, wanting to ever evolve their sound and diversify themselves from the... uh, the punk and emerging post-punk scene. Um, this album reached 21 on the Billboard Top 200 in the U.S. and peaked at number 33 on the U.K. Albums Chart. Also was certified gold in the U.S. in 1985. Sounding pretty good, huh? Not too bad for a third album. These guys were on fire at that point and only gaining momentum. All right, we're going to get right into it from Fear of Music, Izimbra. Yeah. 
you listen or, or see uh, like very early Talking Heads uh, film footage and stuff, we, it was it was pretty uh, angular and jittery. You know, <laughs> the whole performance, and it was there was a lot of nervousness involved in it. No, nobody appeared to be like a, totally a, comfortable. <laughs> nobody was totally comfortable, and nobody was like a smooth performer, you know, who could like. Uh, seduce the audience with their talent. <laughs> I, think, I, think, I, think was, I, I think that some of our audience, they said like, Jesus, look at that. I could do that. <laughs> and they made them like, I think that they drew them in. They're like, wow, but, I, can really, I can get up there. I, I can be like that. That was the punk aspect. Yeah. Yeah. A lot of the early criticism was about uh, grab, people would grab hold of the fact that some of us had been to art school. And uh, that was in that was part of our background. Certainly didn't make up all of our our interests, of course. But that became something that people would point to with suspicion and say, "Well, they're not really serious at, at this music thing. It's just uh, for them, it's an art piece. It's a project. Yeah, it's, a project. <laughs> it's an art project." <laughs>
Memories Can't Wait. And you also heard Life During Wartime, both off of Fear of Music. It's the Talking Heads. Their fourth album, Remain in Light, released on October of 1980, also on Sire Records. It was recorded in locations in the Bahamas and the U.S. between July and August of 1980, and once again produced by Brian Eno. The album peaked at number 19 on the Billboard 200 in the U.S. and at number 21 on the U.K. Albums Chart. It was certified gold in the U.S. and Canada in the 1980s. The members of the group wanted to make an album that dispelled notions of frontman and chief lyricist David Byrne leading a backup band. They decided to experiment with African polyrhythms, influenced by Fela Kuti, and with Eno recorded the instrumental tracks as a series of samples and loops. 
Also, additional musicians were frequently used throughout the studio sessions. That's right. This is a this is a great record. Um, if you're going to get introduced to Talking Heads, I don't know how to really narrow it down, but this is uh, this is up there. We're going to start it off right now with Cross-Eyed and Painless. You're listening to Ghost Town. <laughs> Hospital, changing my shape. I 
we'd go on tour and play. Uh, there wasn't a, uh, a circuit of clubs that would play new bands who were playing their own material. There was a circuit of clubs that would play bands who were getting record company support, who were getting played on the radio, or that had already had a following. But a band who just wanted to, who maybe it was just a rumor about them. So we were playing like Beefsteak Charlie's and, and uh, pizza parlors uh, in different towns. And sometimes that's because there was no place else that would take us. And we play, and well, that's, we got uh, well, we had a remarkable manager. A, a lot of people, That's a lot of the reason why it happened, yeah. too. A lot of people probably don't realize that we, we put up the money for Stop Making Sense, too. The, the band did. Um, it was, isn't that correct? Yeah. Our manager, Gary Kerfurst, um, really, he, he'd already been a promoter, so he already knew all the ins and outs. In fact, Chris is from Pittsburgh, and uh, the promoters there would never, never put Talking Heads up. So he, he would promote the show himself. He'd also go around and, and he'd go, we, I'm sorry, yeah, he, sorry. He, would, he would go to clubs that had top 40 bands. And they go, well, it's Thursday night. What do you say we have, I bring this band in, and you only have to guarantee them $200, but we get this percentage at the door. And the, and, and the, uh, and the promoter would go, God, that's a great deal. i got to pay the top 40 band $600 or something like that. And then we would go in and our audience would grow. And literally, Devo and the police and all those other people followed us around the country to this this path. And, and like Gary, an that was, it was really something that he did. But yeah, it was also Gary's our willingness to, you know, to begin with, we took Chris's father's station wagon that he'd given to Chris, and we put the equipment in the back, and we drove. And we drove places. And we, you know, and we, it'd, be, it'd be great, like, okay, let's drive to Buffalo today, and we're going to play, and then drive back <laughs> to New York City. And, and that's what we did. Yeah. And so a lot of it was our willingness to just, like, put ourselves through that.
pretty groovy song right there. I like that one. Houses in Motion. And also you heard Once in a Lifetime off Remain in Light. The, th- the fourth studio album by Talking Heads. You're right smack in the middle of a Talking Heads block. And you're in Ghost Town. I'm Creepy Steve. Pleasure to be doing the journey with you today on this fine Sunday. And uh, going right forward with the... Uh, well, let me do this real quick. You're listening to WRFN LP Pasquo. Because I'll forget that stuff if I don't do it while I'm thinking about it. Yes, Remain in Light and moving forward to the fifth studio album by Talking Heads. This was released in 1983. And uh, it's called Speaking in Tongues. It was a commercial breakthrough that produced the band's first and only American Top Ten hit. Which was accompanied by a promotional video. Here they are, Talking Heads, burning down the house.
some of our, the, what made some of our early stuff, or at least our live appearances, kind of subversive was the fact that we looked so conservative. <laughs> that we were actually being radical by appearing conservative and by playing, uh, in, by not, by uh, playing, you know, in tune and in time, and et cetera, et cetera, and dressing more or less like, well, like your mom would dress you. Like, like students. <laughs> we were dressed by our mom. <laughs> <laughs> We weren't kind of following any kind of rock uh, stereotype. We were kind of discovering our own kind of stereotype that we could fall into.
Girlfriend is Better. That's Talking Heads off their fifth studio album, Speaking in Tongues. I really like this band. Can you tell? I'm going to keep going. Why the heck not? This uh, album, Speaking in Tongues, the tour was documented in Jonathan Demme's film, Stop Making Sense, which generated a live album of the same name. Speaking of which, that's playing tomorrow night if you're in Nashville, the Bell Court. Check it out. Stop making sense. I just I just might be creeping along the aisles of that one tomorrow, so look out for that guy. <laughs> In addition, the album crossed over to the dance charts, where it peaked at number two for six weeks. And it's the group's highest charting album on the Billboard American 200. This is kind of cool. David Byrne desi- designed the cover for the general release of the album, and artist Robert... Rauschenberg won a Grammy Award for his work on the limited edition LP version. Uh, It featured a clear vinyl disc in clear plastic packaging along with three clear plastic discs printed with similar collages in three different colors. That's just how artsy this group is. We're going to keep it going. You're listening to Ghost Town, Talking Heads. Here's Swamp.
Hello to David Byrne, leader of Talking Heads. Hi. Welcome to Australia again. Hi. It was 79 last time you were here as a four-piece. Good time that time? Yeah. Yeah. Now, the four-piece changed shortly after that, didn't it? You, you tend to go and add members and take away members. And... So how many members are in Talking Heads this time live? Eight or nine. I think it's nine. Uh-huh. So David, you worked with Brian Eno, did stuff with him, and of course Tina Weymouth and Chris husband and wife have gone out and done things with the Tom Tom Club. Do you think that outside work actually helps to keep talking heads together? That yeah, in a funny way it does. Mm -hmm. it, it makes us realize what's, what's different about talking heads. Right. And the fact that we can go away and do something means that when we get together we're not, we haven't gotten bored with one another. Uh -huh. So when did talking heads actually meet, get together? I met Chris when I was at art school. Yeah. Uh, and then I came back for a visit. I dropped out, came back for a visit a couple of years later. Right. And uh, he and Tina were an item, as they say. Mm -hmm. And that's how I met her. And so we sort of went our separate ways and got back together again in New York and started the band there. When would that have been? 75 or 76, something like that. No plans to go back and record? No, I think we should do something different. Like? Uh, well, I'm not sure yet. I'm still thinking about it. You're working on it? Yeah. Okay. Thank you for talking to us on Sounds, and, and thank you and welcome back to Australia. Thank you for being on Sounds one more time. I'd like to go now to a thing called This Must Be The Place off the latest album.
This must be the place. Off of Speaking in Tongues, you're listening to Talking Heads and you're in Ghost Town. Right on WRFN LP Pasquo in the backyard of Nashville. The sixth studio album, Little Creatures by Talking Heads, was released in 1985. And uh, understand too, at this point, and with the uh, last album, Speaking in Tongues, the band expanded to a nine-piece um, really broadening their sound um, and creating a great touring touring show. Um, you might remember uh, names such as Bernie Worrell from Funkadelic, and uh, they also added uh, included guitarist Alex Weir, as well as a percussionist and two backing vocalists, bringing some soul to the mix. Let's see here: sixth studio album, Little Creatures, released in '85. It examines themes of Americana and incorporates elements of country music, with many of the songs featuring steel guitar. It was voted as the best album of the year in the Village Voice, Paz and Jop, that's funny, critics poll, and is the band's biggest selling studio album, with over 2 million copies sold in the U.S. Listen to the uh, ever-evolving sound of Talking Heads as they're well into the 80s. And she was.
I remember that the music I made when I started off with, with Talking Heads, with that band, that it was based, from my understanding, on a, basically a few simple rules. They were all very negative rules. They were all like don'ts. They were all like no guitar solos. Um, nobody plays anything that duplicates what anybody else plays. I'm going to use common language. I'm not going to use kind of cliched pop music ooh, baby, 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 kind of talk, except maybe ironically. But so there were like maybe a handful of rules, not very many, and then that, and that was it. That kind of guided everything, at least for a little while. And then you can start to chip away at them and, and, and let things kind of be what they want to be. But those rules kind of generate a whole thing to start with. That sounds... That sounds uh, I know that for some people that can sound really weird. We want to make a band. Okay, what are the rules? It, that, it wasn't quite as kind of crazy and uh, kind of rule-bound as that. But in retrospect, I, can, I can, could tell that, yes, we did have those uh, rules, whether they were spoken or unspoken. Those rules were a reaction to what we perceived as being kind of the excesses of the music that was all around us the pop music that seemed completely irrelevant and didn't seem to be talking to our generation. We thought, okay, let's strip it down to what, what really matters to us. Well, we know where we're going, but we don't know where we've been. And we know what we're knowing, but we can't say what we've seen. Give us 
You're listening to Talking Heads, and you're in Ghost Town. That was a road to nowhere off Little Creatures. Also, you heard The Lady Don't Mind. That's the fifth studio album by Talking Heads. The seventh album, released in 1986 called True Stories, was actually released at the same time as a David Byrne film of the same name, True Stories, which he wrote and starred in. Uh, The songs uh, on the album were actually written for the film and performed by the actors, including Swoozy Kurtz and John Goodman. And um, you can actually pull up a lot of scenes from that movie on uh, YouTube. I was looking at it myself the last few days. Quite enjoyable. Uh, But yes, the uh, the album is the band performing the songs, uh, but apparently some of the uh, performances from the actors were released as singles later on, which... uh, That'd be kind of cool to get get a hold of those and give a listen. Um, yeah, so a couple of uh, tracks off of True Stories. This is Love for Sale. Yes, I grew up too fast And I 
please welcome David Byrne. Thank you very much for having me. Welcome. So is this the... Uh, David, are you having trouble with your power bands? <laughs> I just saw that you were having trouble with your power bands. I am... <laughs> we can talk about it after the show. Thank you. In a private room. Ah. Oh my gosh. Uh... No. All these retro punks with their pale white skin and their black clothing. And their friggin' moist music. And... Oh, I'm only kidding. I didn't say you were one. Oh, see, there you go. Now you took offense. So, is this the first talk show you've ever been on? <laughs> In outer space, of course. Yes, it is. I hope it is not the last. What do you mean by it? I... Can I come back to that? I... Sure. Thank you. Uh, so, what have you been doing? I, I find myself... Living in a shotgun shack. Lately. Lately, I've been traveling in a bus. How lately? Being a ghost, does that mean that... Uh, that you have lived in a previous life? Before this one. Yeah. Right. I like that. Uh, I hope the same thing happens to me. What thing? I would like to live in another dimension. We would all like to do something, David. Yes, uh... You want to know what I'd like to do, David? I'd like to... Uh, 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 I'd like to have Arthur... Arthur but out. What, knee surgery. That's a good... You, David? Yes, I would like to be cute and blonde. Uh-huh. David, you're bringing me down, man. Zorak? What? You're bringing me down, man. Moltar. Um... Hey, Moltar. What? You're bringing me down, man. Stay.
Wild Wildlife, Talking Heads, that's off of True Stories. And you also heard David Byrne on a mid-90s interview with Space Ghost on his show, Coast to Coast. That's that's a fun animated one. If you haven't seen it before, check it out. Cult favorite. Um, also want to give a shout out to the uh, recent passing of uh, voice our voice actor and animator C. Martin Croker, who played the voices of Zor- Zorak and Moltar on Space Ghost. And also he was the head animator on Aqua Teen Hunger Force and did some voice work, um, notably as Dr. Weird and Steve. And uh, we've got one more left. And then uh, make sure you stay tuned for RFN Weekend. Uh, Naked, the eighth and final studio album by the American band Talking Heads, was released in 1988. The band dissolved shortly after the album's release, but didn't announce their breakup until 1991. This is Nothing But Flowers. You're listening to Ghost Town.
Once there were parking lots, now it's a peaceful oasis. You got it, you got it. This was a pizza hut, now it's all covered with daisies. You got it, you got it. And it's the honky tonks, Dairy Queens, and Seven Elevens. You got it, you got it. And as things fell apart, nobody paid much attention. 